Welcome to episode 190 of CXO Talk 190. I am Michael Kriegsman, and today on CXO Talk, we are going to speak with the, we have the Italian debut. We have a gentleman, Gabriella Tupertini, who is the CIO of Coop Italia, which is the largest supermarket brand in Italy. And we're going to be talking about digital transformation in retail and e-commerce. It's a huge topic. Before we start, I want to say a truly heartfelt thank you to Avanad, which is the largest consulting firm in the Microsoft Dynamics ecosystem. So Avanad, thank you so much for sponsoring this episode. And as always, a hearty thank you and heart, heart, heartfelt thank you to our video streaming partner, Livestream, for all of your support of CXO Talk. So, Gabriella Tupertini, you're the CIO of Coop Italia. How are you? Hi, Michael. Uh, thank you very much for having invited me to join the talk. I'm really, really excited, and uh, I can't hide that I'm a little bit nervous of running this talk, but uh, thank you very much, and uh, great, uh, welcome to everybody who is listening, uh, who's listening to this talk. Well, thank you. And the truth is, I get nervous before every single show. <laughs> but before we start, I hope that there's been such a terrible earthquake in Italy this week. And, uh, and I wonder whether that has affected you or how that has affected you, such a horrible tragedy. No, fortunately, the earthquake didn't affect me directly. It affected a couple of stores of our chain. But... Uh, even if uh, we haven't been it uh, directly and personally, it is a real disaster. We are really moved for what has happened down in the center of Italy. And, uh, we already started to uh, fundraising, uh, fundraising operation in our store in order to collect money for the reconstruction. And uh, uh, we hope that the people that are uh, currently without uh, a roof on their head uh, will be soon able to start a new life. It will be difficult because when uh, you live in a place where 268 people die because of an earthquake, it's difficult to start again, but we'll do our best to support them. And Coop Italia is the largest uh, supermarket brand in Italy, so obviously you have a, a very significant footprint. So tell us about Coop Italia. Tell us about the size of the company and, and about the company itself. Yes, Coop has a very long history. Consider that uh, the, the foundation of Coop dates back to 1854, even before the Italian state was founded. Uh, the first cooperative store was opened in Turin to answer the growing uh, and joint needs of workers uh, to buy wholesale basic commodities such as rice, flour, pasta, soap, and so on, and then to resell them to the members at price cost. A lot of time has passed since, and now Coop operates uh, through a network of over 100 consumer cooperatives on the territory, of which seven generate uh, more than 90% of the revenue. So seven are really, really big company. And uh, the cooperatives are owned by their members. So uh, they're actually owned by the single, uh, the single consumer, are owned by the people. 
and the number of members has, has, uh, has, recent, has recently, recently reached the quota of 8.4 million. So you can understand that that is a really huge movement. So how is Co-op Italia different from other grocery stores? What is, what is the foundation of your strategy or your differentiation? I'm really glad that you are asking me this question because it allows me to explain a little bit more of our, uh, of our soul, let's say. Because Copitalia stands out, really stands out among its competitors and it is a unique experience in the Italian market. Uh, in, in the year, in all these years, COP has always promoted the consumer campaigns and action for organic products at fair price. Uh, we have uh, set up campaign, uh, health campaign and fight uh, against the poor nutrition. We've also run uh, uh, several uh, activities for breaking monopolies on products and services. Think that, uh, for example, drugs uh, in Italy are sold only in authorized store and is uh, is a, still a theoretically a theoretical monopoly, but we have done a lot to break it, and we have now started to sell uh, uh, drugs, so pharmaceutical pharmaceutical products in our in our store. So we have done a lot of battles in favor of the environment for a, a lawful and for a lawful trade uh, and and the ethics. And uh, co-private label is uh, probably so the our products uh, our. Uh, the line of our uh, private label products is uh, the concrete expression of uh, this action. Uh, we promote uh, a sustainable innovation for lifestyle and consumption that are uh, uh, sustainable. Uh, we are running educational program in school to increase the consumer awareness in the future generation. And we firmly believe that Italy's territories and the great biodiversity are a social and economic uh, patrimony that COP can interpret better than uh, our competitors, than multinational companies or other retailers. And uh, we really protect uh, the potential of this uh, huge treasure. Consider that uh, COP is, uh, okay, is not as big as Walmart uh, for, for, your, uh, uh, for the people that are attending from US, but uh, we are quite big. As you mentioned, COP is the largest Italian retail chain. We have a turnover of around 13 billion euros. And uh, that means we have uh, almost 19% of market share. Uh, of course, food and grocery categories are uh, the main part of our business and generate 80% of the revenues, but uh, non-food categories are uh, still important uh, in our hypermarkets. And uh, we uh, have 20% of our business made of non-food categories. So- we are, Yeah, sorry. No, I was going to say, so, so you are a, a huge company, a very, very large organization, and you are the chief information officer. So please tell us about, about your role. Yes, I am uh, the, the chief information officer in charge for uh, the IT management and the organization. So I also support all the change processes. Uh, so I look after not only the technical and the IT infrastructure, but also the uh, process process uh, process changes and the impact on the organization. I started to work in Coop Italia in 2011 after a long career. Unfortunately, I'm quite old. <laughs> uh, 
so I started to work 25 years ago in Henderson Consulting, the company that is now Accenture. I, I spent uh, 10 years with them, and then I, I covered several CIO roles in uh, in the financial service. I've been a CIO in an insurance company for uh, five years uh, in an English insurance company, but now I I work for another big consumer good products. Uh, producer in Italy, a daily producer, not, as I said, in 2011, I started my career with Coop Italia. So Coop Italia has uh, $12 billion in revenue, and yeah. the, the retailing environment is changing so dramatically. So when we talk about digital transformation and the impact on retail, what does that actually mean for for you and for Coop Italia? It means a lot because uh, digital is, uh, how shall I say, digital is rattling the the retail landscape in in a way on a number of fronts. Uh, And uh, we are here to try to uh, make the right move uh, and uh, to pick up uh, the, the pieces. So I was reading a, a research uh, uh, during the holidays and uh, I was surprised in reading that 88% of uh, the cast, the consumer are currently using at least one online channel when searching for merchandise. Of course, we are not talking uh, general because we must, uh, we should distinguish between food and non-food, but uh, Nevertheless, I think that this number is uh, is really surprising. So, 88% of the people use uh, uh, online tools, online channel when they are uh, uh, performing a search of a products. And uh, the same research said that the one, sorry, four on ten want even more digital interaction. So, the demand for digital is uh, crazy. And uh, I know that uh, I've traveled uh, around uh, Europe and also I came to the US a couple of times uh, and I've seen that there are droves of retailers that are uh, really struggling uh, to, to, to move and become a multi-channel in order to uh, satisfy this huge demand of digital. But uh, unfortunately, for sure, the customer is, customer is going digital. But uh, the question is, is the profit moving in the same direction? Uh, this is a really different, difficult, answer, difficult question to answer because uh, profit margins are really at stake. Because uh, in order to fulfill uh, the, the, the demand for digital service, the, the consumer demand for digital service, we must invest, we must change our process, and also they expect to pay the product less. And this puts our marginality, our profit at stake. So we should try to. Uh, to really take uh, the the action that are really needed and think very well before moving, because uh, otherwise, if we can't reverse this trend, uh, it's very it will be hard to maintain our competitiveness. So you really have no choice in a sense, because as you said, eighty percent of consumers are doing online research, and yet at the same time, as you said, your profit margins are at stake, which yeah. means that you're faced with the intense demand from consumers for greater digital experience. And so how do you balance the, your, your profit margins against changing consumer expectations? 
let's say that uh, if we if we go a little bit uh, uh, deeper in the details of this discussion, I would say that uh, fortunately so far, as far as the food categories uh, and the food categories are concerned, we are. Uh, for sure experiencing a huge, a huge increase in requests for digital services, but this is more focused on information. People want to know, the, want to obtain information of the product characteristics uh, of the products they are buying. And usually, and we are starting to see that the, this request is goes far, the set of information that are normally provided on the labels that are displayed on the product label. So there are consumers that are happy uh, with uh, reading the label, but there are a lot, there is a, a growing uh, movement of people that are really interested in knowing everything of what they are eating. So the way of providing information is uh, dramatically changing. Uh, since, uh, uh, as I said, the customer evolved from traditional, so people that are still using uh, traditional tools, for, for whom a, st a static product label is still enough, to the people that we can call uh, digital savvy, okay? And this kind of people are asking for interactive digital touch points. They are looking for uh, searching tools, web or mobile, better if mobile, to, to browse among uh, products and eventually finalize their choice. So just to make an example, say that uh, we have a customer interested in buying organic cheese. What they expect nowadays is that uh, they have uh, available, they, are, they, have, uh, they can use a mobile application to perform a search and after having displayed on its, uh, on its screen, on its screen uh, all the cheese that are, all the cheeses that are in the assortment, uh, then, and the, the, all the cheese in the assortment that are organic, then they can narrow their search and uh, obtain other information like nutritional facts, uh, calories, percentage of fat, and then they, uh, they can finalize the reason uh, when they find the product that best fits their needs. So uh, we are not talking about uh, something that is uh, uh, in the world of the fantasy. It's something that is already happening. And they do this all along the customer journey. Sometimes uh, when they are at home, sometimes when they are on the go, and uh, of course, uh, while they are in the shops. We have a question from Twitter, from yeah. Arsalan Khan, who's asking that, he's saying that uh, Europe has different privacy regulations than in the US. And so as you are developing customized services for your buyers, for your consumers, yeah. how do you manage the privacy issues? Of course, uh, all the all the tools, all the service that we provide uh, to our customer are 100% uh, compliant to the privacy regulation that is uh, uh, currently uh, in uh, to, to the European to the Italian privacy regulation. Of course, the, the, the European regulation is slightly different. It's a little bit more uh, narrow, uh, a little more uh, tough than the, than the US one, but uh, uh, there is no difference in reality in the way of managing the private information and the customer. Sorry, I have a problem with my lamp. <laughs> oh, that's okay. So basically what you're saying is uh, that the privacy is built in. It's, it's simply a fact of yes, life of and everything. Every time, everything. Every time that we build a new service, uh, every time that we build a new service, we go through the 
kind of information that we need from the customer to provide the service and uh, together with our legal department and with our legal counselor we uh, put together procedures that are compliant with the with the, uh, with, the, with the law that is in force in that moment. So let's go back to the consumer, and you were talking about digitally savvy consumers, and they want greater information about the foods that they're buying. And so what does that mean for Co-op Italia? What do those expectations mean for, for you? Yes. Of course, this changed expectation uh, for detailed information mean uh, quite a big impact on our internal processes. Because I didn't mention before, I mentioned before that uh, we are very tough, uh, very, very strong in private labels. That means that uh, uh, we are a sort of a manufacturer, okay? So uh, in Cop Italia, we um, design and think and do all the marketing research to uh, define which kind of privately products uh, will go into the stores, okay? And uh, performing this process, uh, we have completely uh, renovated this internal process that underlies the development of private label products because uh, we must ensure that all the relevant information that are created throughout uh, the different stages of the process are properly collected and stored because uh, we have to reuse them later when the customer start uh, want to start his experience okay and uh, for do that for doing that we have developed the uh, complex and uh, state-of-the-art digital solution that are both web and mobile to uh, make the, the, all these uh, huge patrimony huge uh, assets or information available to our customers so they can have an easy access and quickly find the answer to the question they have. And we strongly believe in transparency and in the traceability of the food products, as I said before. And just to mention to you and uh, to our audience a practical example, in, in 2013, leveraging uh, this uh, huge uh, uh, patrimony, we have developed a mobile app called the COP Origins, so COP Origins, uh, that uh, uh, using the app, the, the customer simply scanning the barcode uh, with, uh, with, with his smartphone could have all the information of the countries of origins of the raw materials, which is not something that we must provide by law. So we must tell to the people, to the consumer, which ingredients are inside the product, but we don't have, tell, we don't have to tell them uh, from which country the flower is coming from, okay? And we did, we did this to be completely transparent to them. And of course, we could do that because our internal process of building, of thinking and developing our private label products is, has been completely reshaped, reshaped. So this is, uh, has very significant implications for how you think about this change in consumer expectations, let me say, has very significant implications for how you think about your processes. But it sounds like it also has a very, a very significant implications for your relationship, not just with the consumer, but with your entire supply chain. 
Yes, I would say that uh, from the supply side of, uh, of the digital transformation, I would say that the digital transformation on the supply st side started far started before uh, to impact on the final consumer. So we have done a lot in the past uh, with our network of suppliers in order to digitalize the full process and uh, to share information with them, uh, to share products, recipes, uh, to select uh, the right uh, uh, certificated uh, producer. So uh, I would say that digital transformation as we, uh, as we mean with these terms is more impacting on uh, consumer, at least as far as retail is concerned. So consumer, uh, sorry, retail business uh, has done a lot uh, in uh, late 90s, early 2000 uh, to streamline uh, the supply chain. So we have leveraged a lot uh, uh, the advent of EDI, of the service-oriented architecture, or web services. So we have done a lot in that direction. So exchange of uh, stock information in order to reduce the risk of uh, uh, stock out uh, and also to reduce the risk of obsolescence, for example, for electronic products is something that uh, was started uh, in, 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 that, in that years. So nowadays, uh, the impact is just, uh, uh, is more on the consumer side. I, I, at least uh, this is my humble opinion. So you had previously put into place programs for efficient electronic exchange of information with your suppliers, which makes all of your digital transformation efforts today much easier. But it sounds like the, the driver here is the, the customer journey. Customer expectations have changed, and the customer journey has changed, and therefore Co-op Italia has had to change uh, its processes fairly significantly in some areas. Yes, the customer journey has changed, uh, has changed dramatically. In the past, uh, we could compare the, cons the customer path uh, to a purchase, uh, uh, to a funnel. It used to be linear. The steps uh, were done in sequence. Uh, we started with the awareness of, of the need. Then the, the, the customer started to do the evaluation of the alternative based on the tools that he had available. Then he made the selection of the brand of the product he thought it was best for him. Then the purchase, and finally, if he was satisfied, that ended up with loyalty to the brand and also to the retailer, because when a customer was happy with the service provided that he received from a store, usually he became a loyal consumer. Nowadays, uh, the process has been completely changed. So the technology acceleration uh, with the technology acceleration, the customer journey has become dynamic and continuous. So we we see non-stop consumers that, uh, as I said before, are, are always online. They are when they are on on the on the metro, when they are on the buses, when they are on the train, they keep on checking a newsletter from retailers and so on. Sometimes the buzz is even too too strong. Sometimes they uh, they are confused in receiving so many information. And uh, so these customers have more tools than ever before. And uh, for sure, uh, the, easy, the ease they have uh, in getting the right advice and reviews and the tele-information allow them to compare 
a huge greater a huge great number of uh, alternatives and i will say that one of the things that is at stake is loyalty because uh, even if somebody was happy of the experience with a product or with a shop or with a store if he finds if he if he has a uh, tools to make fast research is not so much interested in loyalty as long as he find the, the same products at a lower price or with a better service. So, so, so you said earlier that uh, digital transformation, e-commerce, uh, your margins are at stake, and now you're saying customer loyalty is at stake. Mm -hmm. And so it sounds like if loyalty and your margins are both at stake that that digital transformation presents some very significant challenges to to a retailer. Yeah, we have to sort out the the big conundrum we have uh, either to stay uh, to try to keep uh, the business as it is to be uh, to stay linked to our brick and mortar business or to be so uh, so brave to be the first mover. Consider that. Uh, uh, coming to Italy, so the, 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 what I was saying before is, uh, I think, is a general uh, view of, uh, of the global market. Italy, luckily for us, uh, uh, compared to what I've seen in the US or in or the UK, for example, we are still a little bit uh, behind shadow. We are at the early stage of the digital wave. So from one side, we are actually ahead of the game in the smartphone penetration because consider that 70% of our citizens own one or more smartphones. But uh, they still use it for gaming, for chatting, uh, for social networking and so on. So the, the use of mobile phones for consumer journey in Italy is uh, still for the digital savvy one. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't see uh, millennia, uh, sorry, uh, millennials, uh, sorry, Generation X or Generation or before using mobile to, uh, to perform their selection, their processing selection. Nevertheless, as we said, even in Italy, the impact of digital transformation is, uh, is important and varies significantly according to the product categories we are talking about. Because if we take into account the non-food categories, for example, consumer electronics, uh, home appliances, apparel and clothing fashion. The change of the purchasing behavior is already at, a, I would say, at an advanced stage. Customer uh, receive email promotion, uh, they look at them, uh, seek information through Google and social network and, 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 and so on. Uh, and the evolution is already underway. But uh, when we move to the food and grocery, the scenario is different. So the, the inevitable, uh, uh, digital disruption uh, has yet to come. It will come, but uh, we, are, we still have some time. Not so much, but some time we do have. I want to remind everyone that we are talking with Gabriella Tubertini, who is the CIO of Coop Italia, which is the largest supermarket brand in Italy with annual revenues exceeding $12 billion. billion. And I want to thank Avanade for sponsoring this episode. You guys are great. Thank you for that. And also Livestream for general awesomeness and supplying our video infrastructure. And if you have questions, right now there's a tweet chat going on on Twitter mm -hmm. with the hashtag CXOTalk. So tweet your questions and we'll 
try to get them answered. So, Gabriella, um, what about the business model? How is all of this affecting Co-op Italia's business model? Mm, to answer to this question, I have to complete uh, uh, the analysis that you were doing before. So I was saying that uh, there is difference between non-food categories and food categories. And in fact, uh, we have differentiated our approach to digital transformation. And uh, for food, uh, we are investing uh, and struggling and putting a lot of efforts in collecting and creating the huge uh, databases, huge uh, web service in order to provide all the kind of information the, the consumer might ask. But uh, in the non-food categories, uh, we have already done more. We already moved, uh, starting from 2013, uh, to the e-commerce. Uh, following the structure of our uh, of our brand, uh, we have uh, created several portals uh, differentiated by categories and by territory. And uh, of course, to meet uh, the, that's why I'm uh, making this uh, uh, this point before to answer your before answering your question because uh, I think that the main change in our uh, internal business process uh, took place. Uh, uh, when we had to implement uh, uh, and adapt our system and our organization to the management of the non-food e-commerce, the, e the, the, the portal, uh, the non-food business on e-commerce. So we set up, uh, we set up and, and uh, we set up a team and dedicated tools. Uh, for content management, that was something we didn't do before. So we have to create all the product uh, uh, information. Uh, we have to prepare all the uh, comparison between products uh, for functionalities. So we had to create a complete uh, environment for managing the content specific uh, to sell the good on, on the portal. We have built a real-time service for inventory because uh, when uh, somebody when a customer puts uh, an order online, uh, he must see if the product is available or not. And this is something that uh, can make uh, can make the can make the success of a of a purchasing process, of a sales process. And uh, we have created also tools for price optimization, which is something that uh, we also are uh, planning to do in our uh, traditional business, brick and mortar business, but. Uh, for the online business, uh, price, optimization, price optimization tools uh, is something that uh, you must have because you must be able to change your price uh, every moment during, uh, during a campaign, uh, during, uh, during the day, during the weekend, because uh, uh, you must understand where the demand is going. You must understand where uh, uh, the price of your competitor, uh, both online and offline, uh, are moving. Uh, you must uh, define which margin you want to obtain by a, by a sale, and uh, you, have, you must have a, a, a smart and clever calculator that performs this exercise for you, so you can change the price immediately to meet uh, uh, the demand that is uh, in place in that specific very moment. And uh, I think that most of all, uh, the most impactful uh, change concerned our warehouse operation. As Coop Italia, we manage uh, the supply chain for all the non-food categories. So 
we manage uh, TVs, uh, consumer products, uh, bicycles, uh, apparels, and so on. And uh, our warehouse uh, were, was uh, organized in order to uh, work by box. So we received order and the minimum amount of products uh, a, a store could, uh, could order was a box. But when you move to uh, e-commerce, you must work by item. And uh, you have a, a very difficult decision to take. Either you create two different, two separated warehouses, one to fulfill the demand of the store and another to uh, work on support of the e-commerce business, or you have to try to merge the process together. And this is for sure from a, from a, from a cost perspective, the most effective way, but you must change uh, the system, you must change uh, the operation, you must change the process, and you have to train the people. So because the same uh, clerk, the same uh, uh, the, the same person uh, must be able to prepare an order for a store, and uh, at the same time, let's say one hour later, it could be called to prepare an order for uh, the e-commerce business. So that for sure has been... Uh, uh, the main impact we had when we had to adapt our business model to meet the digital transformation. And you are looking at expansion abroad, if I am correct. I'm really happy that you asked me this question because I'm proud to make an official announcement, let's say, that what we are experiencing is that the consumer love for Italian food is really is experiencing a, 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 what I would say is an overwhelming growth in many countries of the world. But the export of made in Italy, of real made in Italy food, is still in its infancy. If you look at the numbers, uh, less than 10% of our production is exported compared to the number of Italian, uh, supposed Italian products are on the shelves. Uh, so we have a, there is a huge, pot huge potential uh, in this sector, in this, uh, in this area. So, and if we combine this, this global trend with the obsessive attention that we put uh, in the development of uh, our products and in the careful selection of industrial partners that uh, produce our private label goods, we understand very easily why we have decided to expand our business beyond national borders. And in, at the end of 2015, we have established the company, NUCO, called the Coop Italian Food, which has the aim to aggregate its network of over 500 certified and guaranteed manufacturing partners that are able to produce any kind of good to cover all the food and grocery category. And they are able to make them, to make this product available to foreign retailers who want to expand their assortments with reality, with authentic made in Italy. I don't want to make any complaint or uh, to, to start any, uh, any debate, but uh, when, we, when we as Italian go abroad, when we visit a supermarket in US, in UK, and we see the Parmesan cheese or the pasto is something that we cannot uh, uh, stand. We are something that really make ourselves uh, a little bit uncomfortable. So Coop Italian Food has already established a commercial relationship with France. Our products are already sold 
in a big, big chain in France. We started our business also in China, Dubai, Bulgaria, Japan, and uh, Korea, Cyprus, and so on. And we are approaching the US. Uh, we were in Chicago in, uh, at the FMI exhibition together with the Avanat guys uh, that you mentioned before uh, to present uh, our company. And uh, we plan to arrive, uh, to disembark uh, in the US market uh, at the beginning of 2017, if everything goes more. Well, of course, I'm from New York. And of course, in New York, you can get great Italian products and food products. But now I live in Boston. And so we'll be watching to see whether we can start to eventually uh, get these, these great Italian foods that, that you're describing. So, don't, don't, okay. do you have Italy in Boston? Do you have Italy in Boston or not? Italy. We have, we have, uh, we have the North End. It's the Italian district, hmm. and uh, and you because can get... in New York, as you, I think you know very well, in uh, in front of uh, the Flatiron Building, there oh. is the Italy store. Yes. Uh, maybe nobody. Maybe it could be interesting for our audience to know that uh, the Italy business was started with the participation of Coop. So at the beginning of the story of the company, Coop was, was one of the main stakeholders, shareholders. So we were part of the company. Well, what a, that Italy in New York, what an incredible place that is. Mm -hmm. And I tell you what, when you come to New York, you let me know and let me take you for, for lunch <laughs> at Italy. But I will pay the bill in the Italian way. Oh, we'll I'll... I'll... American, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we have about uh, t 10 minutes left. And I know that an important project that you've been working on has been the supermarket of the future that you've been involved with collaborating with today's show sponsor, Avanade. So please tell us about the supermarket of the future. Yes, when, uh, so maybe uh, everybody knows that, uh, I hope that everybody are, are uh, aware that uh, in 2015, Italy has hosted, uh, Milan has hosted one of the most important events uh, in the last decade of, at least for Italy, and that uh, was the Expo 2015. So the, the theme of the Expo was uh, Feed the Planet Energy for Life. And then the, the aim of the exhibition was to discuss how the food habits uh, are strictly tied up with the global sustainable growth and how they must change to allow a more balanced redistribution of resources among the world population. And this is a real, uh, a real important topic because uh, given that the growth of the population is uh, targeted to reach uh, 9 billion people in 2050, we don't have enough resources to feed them all. Even nowadays, a uh, big percentage of the, of the, of the people of the, uh, the people is uh, underfed, uh, but uh, the problem will only rise with climate change and so on. So uh, when uh, uh, Expo held uh, the bid to uh, select the official food distribution partner, given, given that we are the leader in the Italian market and we are really, uh, really engaged in the sustainable uh, on the sustainable arena, in the arena of the sustainability, we have decided to participate at the bid. We won, and so uh, we became the official food distribution partner for Expo. And we were in charge 
of the construction and operation of one of the Expo Pavilion, the supermarket of the future. And I was uh, the operation, the, the project manager of, uh, of the initiative, the operational project manager of the initiative. There so, was a, a commercial project manager that was looking after the, the assortment, uh, the partnership with vendor and so on. And I was the one in charge for, um, gar for guaranteeing that uh, the pavilion was uh, built in time and was working as, uh, as designed. Uh, the concept, an uh, interesting thing, that the concept of the supermarket of the future was developed and designed by Carlo Ratti, which is, who is the director of the MIT Sensible City Lab, who is considered one of the most influential uh, personalities in the, in the architecture and engineering field. He's an Italian, but uh, he works in the, in the US and is a very famous person. So we teamed up uh, with him and his collaborators uh, with our internal engineering company, IRS. And on the, IC, on the IT side, we choose Adanad and Accenture to be our trusted technology partner. And uh, so we developed this supermarket of the future that uh, I try to be faster since we are unconscious of time, but uh, the concept uh, was based on two main pillars. The first is that in the supermarket of uh, the year 2050, which, uh, which is the, uh, the year that we were trying to forecast, uh, the technology will help uh, in lowering the hindrances and the barriers that have characterized the supermarket layout since their beginning. So if you think that uh, today's supermarkets are designed to ensure the maximum efficiency, both uh, for the retailers, we want uh, to display as much SKU as we, can the, as we can in the smallest space uh, possible, and for the customer that uh, want to find uh, all, uh, all he needs uh, in the shortest time and uh, go back home to have his dinner. And so the shelves are tall and the, the, the aisles are narrow. Uh, so when I say the socialization that you can have inside the supermarket is really limited. But uh, we think that technology will help in removing this barrier. If we put the, the warehouse under the sales area, allow you to stock the products very close to where they have to be replenished. So the number of SKU on display on the shelf can, uh, can be reduced, it can be lower. And uh, the shelf becomes stable, and uh, you reopen the space to the view of uh, the visitor, and the supermarket uh, become like uh, the squares in the Middle Ages or the galleries of the 19th century. Okay. And the second thing was the second pillar was the idea that every product uh, has an accurate and precise story to tell, and so we set up uh, a solution a very technology-oriented solution that was not using any cumbersome device like, uh, so people were not asked uh, to uh, download the mobile application on their smartphone, use their tablets or uh, put uh, uh, virtual, uh, virtual reality glasses, just simply indicating the product on the table uh, with a finger, uh, with suspended screens on top of the table, uh, there were suspended screen uh, on top of the table that were showing all the information related to the products, uh, uh, describing uh, exactly the, the origins of the raw materials, the impact, uh, the environmental impact of the products. So we were just trying to meet the, the expectation I was describing before. So the, the aware customer, the more uh, informed customer wants more information and we have to provide them to him in the easiest way. I think there's nothing uh, easier than moving your finger towards the product and obtain all the information that you need. 
And so this sounds very interesting. So you worked with Avanad to build the concept and to actually create this supermarket at the expo. Exactly. We worked with Avanade using uh, Microsoft technology uh, in order to perform uh, the triggering of the finger indication. Uh, we used the motion sensing device, the, the normal Kinect that I think uh, I'm sure a lot of the people in the audience have at their home uh, to make gaming. So we had uh, something like 250 Kinect uh, in uh, 1500 square meters. In fact, one of, one of our main concerns before opening the pavilion was uh, how can you have so many Kinect working in a so uh, limited space? Because usually you have one Kinect in, uh, in your house. And it was uh, funny when we asked uh, this question to a Microsoft expert, to an Avanad expert, uh, we, we asked him, so do you think there will be a problem in testing more, the, uh, in testing 250 Kinect in the same area? We were at the very beginning of the design. And they said, I don't know, because I've never tried with more, I, I've never tried with more than one Kinect. <laughs> so <laughs> the challenge that seemed really, 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 really tough. So, but uh, everything was smoothly. So the pavilion was, uh, uh, all the experience in the all the digital interactive experience in the pavilion was working from day one, and uh, I'm I'm glad to to say I really we were really really amazed that we received a, a very important prize because uh, we won the the prize for the best use of technology from the exhibitor magazine. So that was uh, evaluating the different use of technology inside the different pavilion at the expo. And uh, trust me, there was uh, a lot of technology for those that uh, didn't visit uh, the exhibition and uh, we won. Well, that's, uh, that's amazing. So, so that was a kind of uh, a prototype. And do you think that that prototype that you had created, that you won, won the prize, will actually be constructed? Uh, yes, we let's say that uh, during the during the concept uh, design phase, uh, we had uh, a lot of uh, we had to address a lot of issues. But uh, prototyping, testing, uh, uh, made ourselves uh, every day more com confident that we could make it, and. Uh, I think that this experience uh, has uh, given us, uh, has given to Coop a fantastic opportunity to play with a new concept of store that is not only based on efficiency, but is also based on experience. And the technology, uh, the fantastic, the wonderful technology that uh, Microsoft, Avan, and Accenture uh, allowed us to, to, to put in place, uh, was uh, really important, but uh, the most important thing uh, was the reaction of the on the customer. The wow effect! Uh, at the beginning, they had uh, they experienced uh, uh, the so-called wow effect. They were impressed by the the ease uh, of uh, obtaining the information. But afterwards, they started to look at the data. So they were not only uh, playing with uh, with uh, with interactive. Uh, 
devices, but they were also interested in understanding what uh, the products uh, had to tell. Okay, and so now we are thinking, uh, uh, just to make an announce another announcement here. Uh, I'm proud to, to tell to the audience, to give to the audience that uh, the recreation of the supermarket of the future in the real network, in the real store network, uh, is now a real initiative. Again, together with Alan and Accenture uh, and Microsoft, by the end of the year, we plan to open a brand new store in Milan uh, that will be built on a very similar concept on the one of Expo. And uh, the store will act as a sort of permanent uh, laboratory, laboratory where uh, we will use, uh, that we will use to introduce a new concept. So we'll not stay we start with the concept of Expo, but uh, in the years we plan, uh, in the following years, we plan to introduce a new concept of layouts and new concept of experience and new concept, uh, new use of technology. And this is something that we are very proud of. Wow. Well, that's, uh, I hope you, when you, when you build it out, I hope that you'll come back to CXO Talk and share your experience with us. I will be more than happy to do that. And when you will be, when you will come to visit to visit us in Milan, I will uh, take you to visit our new, our brand new shop. Okay. You must come at the beginning of next year. Let's say. Okay, that's a date. <laughs> well, everybody, this draws to a close. Episode number one hundred and ninety of CXO Talk. We've been speaking with Gabriella Tupertini, Tupertino. Apologize, who is the CIO of Co-op Italia, the largest supermarket brand in Italy with revenue over $12 billion. Our sponsor for the show has been Avenad, which is the largest consulting organization in the Microsoft Dynamics and Microsoft Technologies ecosystem. And of course, I always want to thank Livestream for their awesome support of CXO Talk. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Gabriella, thank you to you. And please come back next week and join us again. Bye-bye.